Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Don't Retire Graduate, the podcast that teaches you how to advance into retirement rather than retreating. I'm your host and valedictorian, Eric Brotman, and we have two special guests today with us, Jeff Tidwell and Carol McManus, co-authors of the book Next For Me, A Guide to Startups for Dreamers. Both Jeff and Carol have had extensive careers in Silicon Valley, New York, and with some some pretty big, amazing companies doing marketing and social media. Uh, And they're going to help people take career moves in stride with their company called Next For Me. So Jeff and Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. The two of you founded a company, um, I guess, three years ago. And, um, and so let's talk about how that came to be. Each of you have um, illustrious careers with household names that we can certainly talk about. Uh, and we can talk about your graduation from corporate to uh, entrepreneurship as well. So uh, let's, let's, talk, let's start, Carol, with you and talk a little bit about uh, how, you, how you went from working with Yahoo and, uh, and HBO and Frito-Lay and some big companies uh, to doing this on your own. Sure, absolutely. Well, Jeff and I go way back. He and I actually worked together um, on the very first community at E-Trade, um, helping people connect with um, other people interested in stocks and trading and things like that. Um, that's when we first met, and that was 20 years ago now. Uh, and we've worked together intermittently since then. Um, in between there, after my time as a community manager at Yahoo, Jeff and I worked together at a market research company. And we built communities to help big brands like Frito-Lay um, connect with consumers or internally um, with their employees to get uh, insights into ways to bring new products to market and things like that. Uh, so Jeff and I have always been connected throughout the years. And so when he told me about his idea for next for me, um, initially I came on as an advisor and I just said, I think that what you're doing is really terrific. I'm really, really interested and sign me up. So that's kind of (laughs) how we connected, uh, this latest round. I love that. So the two of you have careers that are like Venn diagrams, and they finally uh, intersected in a way that you guys could have some control over what was coming totally. next. So, that's, that's so, so Jeff, let's let's from from your perspective, which is always going to be slightly different, uh, but from your perspective, yeah. tell me a little bit about how how you went from sort of what was a, a, a had to be a serious rat race, um, both on both coasts, to doing what you're doing today. Yeah. Um, you know, when we started the company, uh, we were addressing an issue for 50 plus workers. There's there are a lot of issues about bias towards hiring older workers, and the fact that we're all living 20, 30 years longer means that the notions of retirement have changed considerably, and also the idea that you need to have more money banked away. And at the same time, people were. Uh, you know, we, we started noticing some patterns of, of how people were left behind often or not even given a, a, a seat at the table. 
So that's where we started. And of course, Carol was a natural because we had worked together in a fluid way for so long that we, you know, finish each other's sentences and she knows my quirks and vice versa. But as we, we progressed through this and we started talking to people, we did events across the country and, and we've done a lot of market research that we sell to organizations trying to understand today's workforce. So we, we kept hearing that not only was there an issue with age there, but it is, it is the mindset that's required for people to be able to adapt and change. And, and so we took, took what we learned there, and I, I had written uh, a year's worth of columns in Forbes about, about starting the company. And so we crunched all of that into the first book that came out at the end of last year about startups. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of information about, you know, how to stay standing long enough that you can prove your case and start making money and those kinds of things. But then what we realized, and talking to people who were subscribed to our newsletters and, and all of that, was that the real issue is change. We rewrote the book. We pushed it out and called it a guide to, to change for everybody. And, and suddenly the, the sky opened up and we were much freer to talk about those things that help people along the way. So, so our, our, last, um, our last guest two weeks ago um, was uh, uh, an entrepreneur who had had two full retirements and age 65, I believe on her 65th birthday, she launched a startup and has been in practice now for more than a dozen years. And <laughs> it's fascinating that, that the concept of retirement has changed a lot. And so is the concept of aging, um, not, yeah. just, not just in terms of the financial piece, because we could talk financial all day, the social security system and, and, uh, and Medicare and the absence of pensions and, and sort of the, the cost of, of aging um, and longevity and so forth. But what I'm fascinated by, I'm fascinated by folks who, who have embraced this idea that retirement is not an end, but is in fact a beginning, um, and that you don't necessarily have to punch someone else's clock forever and you can do something that you're mission driven about and excited about and, and reinvent yourself at any age. So yeah. you, you mentioned Jeff, that this is a, about age 50 plus workers. Um, you know, I, I did a, a, an interview of somebody from AARP recently and I'm, I don't really want to date myself, but I'm going to get mail from them next year. So <laughs> I'm certainly in, in that point where I don't feel like I'm part of that community. My sense is that that community is for very elderly people and of course, I don't feel very elderly. So, let's talk a little bit yeah. about how uh, how at any age, um, not only starting a business or starting a venture, but finding something mission driven can can really move the needle for someone. Yeah, um, you reach a point. I'm 61 now, and where you you gain some wisdom through the years. You know, now we all know that if you take care of yourself, you know. 90, 100 years old is not out of the question. So at this stage, I'm, I'm two-thirds of the way in. And I can't imagine sitting and watching the television or playing golf for another 30 years. And I feel like, and many of the people we talk to have something to give at this point. And whether that's through mentoring or or sustaining yourself by starting a, a business, um, 
that's that's a way through this. And the funny thing is, you talk to anybody. I, I, I was at a conference with a guy who I think it was thirty, and he was telling me how he had to alter his uh, LinkedIn profile so that he wouldn't expose his age in hoping to get a job. Right? Wow! And so people are, are he was are addressing this. Yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, also if you talk to anybody. And you say, what's next for you, which is the name of our company, next for me. Uh, everybody's got something in the cooker. Everybody has some idea of what they would like to do next, how they'd like to alter their life in some way because they have a dream or they, they'd like to start a company or these kinds of things. So it's not age specific, the, the, the foundation of all of this. It is part of our, our DNA. We always want to be evolving. You know, next for you is a, is a very cool idea. I, I liken it to the fact that you get to a certain age in life and no one ever asks you what you want to be when you grow up anymore. And I don't get that because I, I think it's okay at 61 or at 71 to say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And of course, the answer is usually from somebody fun going, I'm never growing up. I'm getting older, but I refuse to grow up. Um, so, so, Carol, do, do you feel... Um, can you talk a little bit about next for me and how that might relate to this concept um, that you don't have to grow up just because you get older and what do you want to do next is something, you know, to be enthusiastic about. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what you said earlier about dreading the AARP mail, we heard that very early on in our research and talking to people and things like that, that they did not want to be associated with that. That was for old people. I'm not old. I'm only 50. I'm only 60. Um, but we, on the flip side, we also heard from younger people as well. And that's really when we started to, to pivot our messaging around, you know, you are constantly changing throughout your life. Your career path is never a straight line. It's always going to be windy and crooked. And that's exciting. And that's really interesting and great. So we really encourage that, uh, that outlook that, you know, your career is constantly evolving. And yet it, there doesn't have to be a specific end to it with the gold watch and the party and all of that. That's just not reality in the current times um and that's scary but it's also a terrific thing too and if you're just open-minded and have your arms wide open and ready to embrace that that's really what we encourage people to be looking at their next thing through those we, through we that lens often, you know really to be open to that well and i think it's real important to be open to that we we often um tell folks two truisms that not everyone wants to think about and I, i'm curious what your take would be about this. Um, number one is that you're going to live longer than you ever imagined. Um, mm -hmm. And you already mentioned 90 or 100. Um, I, I think people tend to peg the, the, the lifespan of their grandparents or parents as their barometer, and that's not really a, a reasonable thing to do. I mean, it certainly could play a role genetically, but it, it certainly isn't by itself because of advancements in medicine and technology and so forth. Um, so one, you're going to live longer than you imagine, and two, life is going to be more expensive than you imagine. Um, can can yeah. you talk a little bit about that and, and some of the financial pressures potentially that folks, um, particularly folks who are launching a startup, how, how financially independent and stable do you think you need to be before you walk out on that limb? Or is it a, a different type of, uh, of limb to walk out on? Wow. Well, a couple will spend 125 grand 
out of their pocket for health care after right. 65. That doesn't include long-term care. So, so there's a start. <laughs> it's and yeah, that's and we that's don't think of that at all. It, it is, and you know, half of the population over fifty has less than fifty thousand in the bank, and we we all know the numbers about uh, the number of, of folks that could get wiped out by a four hundred dollar bill, and we know the statistics that for many people a four hundred dollar medical bill could completely wipe them out. So the bottom line to all of this is we need a lot more saved and we need to continue working a lot longer. And so what can we do to prepare ourselves for that? If, if the marketplace says, you know, uh, it's not easy or we're not going to encourage hiring people of a certain age, then you got to get creative and find ways to make money in another way or you have to have a mindset where you can go in and present yourself in a way that age is irrelevant, that you, you've got the edge. That's hard. And that takes uh, some soul searching along the way to get, get there. And we talk about this in the book a lot, is what is your, what is your, your core ethical foundation that, that says, this is what's important to me, this is how I'm going to proceed and then you've got that to to go ahead with, and that that leads you into what comes next. The, you you mentioned um, a lot there, and I, I want to sort of unpack that a little <laughs> bit because this idea of um, of financial readiness um, has to marry with this idea of psychological, social, entrepreneurial readiness in order to take a next step. A lot of people have a tremendous amount of fear in walking out on the entrepreneurial ledge. But in addition to that, I think older people, for all the reasons you've stated, um, and, and by older, I just mean the, the second half of your working career, whatever that, however you quantify that, there is a, a, a trepidation about being out of work at a certain age where it is tough to find employment. Um, and, and whether that's discrimination or whether it's, um, it, it's, it's related to something else, I, I don't know. And, and we could certainly debate that one way or the other. And I'm sure there's plenty of that. Um, but other cultures seem to revere their quote-unquote elders as being the wisest of the bunch. And we tend to put them out to pasture. I don't get that piece either. So how do we... How do we create a, an environment where someone more senior in the workforce who, who has reached whatever level of financial stability that he or she's able to, to, to contemplate these things, how do we reach a point where they're not quite as afraid to take the next step? Do you deal with some of the behavioral and some of the fear impact of that in your book? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And we've done a bit of writing and research into the concept of unretirement and transitional retirement and things like that. So there is a growing um, atmosphere where folks don't have to, you know, have a specific end date to their careers. They can slowly transition into retirement. So it's really, you know, cutting back on hours. It's turning more to consultancy as opposed to full-time employment. There's a lot of ways that we can be flexible in the later part of our career that can accommodate some of the um, forces that are, whether that be ageism 
or other sort of things going on in the workforce and the workplace, human resources that are making it difficult for folks. But um, there's a lot of opportunities there um, that if people are open, and we do talk about this in the book about being open and being flexible and um, going with the flow and being willing to learn new things and uh, learn new skills and things like that and not being rigid about that sort of thing. Um, That's really key in this environment, I feel. Are either of you seeing more folks over 50 with a side hustle? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So that's coming. So, so the millennials don't have the they don't they don't have the only the 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 the, the trademark on that, right? Everybody can do that. No. So you're seeing folks over 50 who are starting a side hustle almost like practicing their consultancy or or something before they give up their paycheck? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Is that a best practice? Uh, worked for I me. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, test the waters. It, you know, we come from software and technology, so we believe in a beta test and see if something works. Test it in the in the environment in the marketplace and refine it and get better at it, and then maybe you'll be ready to make the leap because you've done the homework already while you have the security of a, of a job. Writing about what you're doing, blogging about what you're doing, putting things out on social media, connecting with other folks that are in the field that you're interested in. And that's just a really low key way of testing those waters and getting yourself out there. Well, it's also a, a modern way of networking and, and mm-hmm. meeting new yep. people and, and, you know, opportunities rarely find you. You have to be open to them and, and be looking for them. Um, maybe not looking for the specific one because you don't always know what you're going to find, but at least being receptive, right? I mean, you have to be, mm-hmm. your antenna has to be up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of our advisors, Karen Wickery, uh, wrote a book called Taking the Work Out of Networking. And she talks about the fact that you can never stop that process. People will age out of your network. People will uh, <laughs> you know, change fields. You need to always be cultivating that. And even if you're uncomfortable with that, there are a lot of ways to do it um, without, you know, uh, bombarding people on LinkedIn or or other techniques. It is, you know, you take a light touch and you, you provide value to these people that, that can help you along the way. And then when you are ready to ask for their help, they're ready and they know about you and 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 they see that you're sincere and and uh, authentic about what you're trying to get to. You, you've mentioned LinkedIn a couple times. Once in in uh, or with respect to a 30 year old who didn't want to be perceived as as beyond his or her uh, useful years, which is shocking in and of itself. But um, on LinkedIn, I, I think the one kiss of death on LinkedIn. Um, first of all, if you're not authentic, you can forget it because people will see that right away. But the, the one real cardinal sin of LinkedIn is to have your profile just say retired. You know, to me, it right. might as well say deceased. <laughs> I mean, why, why would anyone click that and go, now there's somebody I want to party with. I want to meet that right. person. Right. You know, if, if, if you're, even if you're just a volunteer, it doesn't have to be for money. If you've reached a point where you don't mm-hmm. need money and you're a passionate volunteer for a cause that's important to you, putting that out as your as your byline, if you will, instead of retired, keeps you relevant in some way. Are, are people are, are are seniors learning this? I mean, has this been figured out, or is this still a secret that we need to share with people? 
I think it's something we need to share with people and and keep them open to that idea. So, Carol, I want to go back. If I can, I want to go back to something you mentioned early on, which was that you were uh, involved um, with E-Trade and with creating a community of folks who were interested in investing. And, of course, many of our listeners are interested not only in a, a healthy and successful qualitative retirement, but also in a quantitative one. Um, mm-hmm. when you were involved, were you involved with that, that in a very early stage as E-Trade was coming to be? What was the time frame there? Yes. And so actually, you know, Jeff came to the company that I was working for at the time, um, looking to us to provide moderation services for this community. So, you know, there's a lot of SEC regulations and it, it, this was a brand new thing. It was untested water. So Jeff can talk a little bit more to the, the difficulty um, in setting that up in the first place. But, uh, you know, you're, you're right that people do need to educate themselves financially and not be afraid and get through any roadblocks in their heads uh, around wrapping their heads around money. You know, we, we say a lot that it's never too late to start saving for retirement. It's never too late. You know, even a little bit helps. Every little bit helps. So whatever you can set aside, don't give up. Don't throw up your hands in frustration. Just do it. But um, Jeff, maybe you want to talk a little bit to, you know, the the backstage um, <laughs> dealings when uh, we were setting up the E-Trade community. Yeah, it, it, it was something where uh, nobody was doing it because it was so heavily regulated. I went with the E-Trade lawyer to the SEC in DC and had to explain to them how communities worked and how there were threaded discussions and people would be talking about their activity in trading stocks and you know we spent a lot of time and a lot of money making sure that we were in compliance but what it did was this was the first time and the internet was this way for so many things where people had some control over their destiny Um, they could take risk and that was up to them they could spend time talking to other people about investing, and that may have helped them or not helped them. But at least it was they had the power. The same thing if you think about newspapers. There was a time and broadcast television where, where those people, they had all the control and all the power. You gave people the internet, and suddenly, if you had a compelling story to tell, your blog could surpass a New York Times story or a, a, a television audience for the first time. And we've seen people rise up and and have that kind of power. And it's it's changed the dynamic of 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 who controls what in the world. And so that's what was great about the E Trade experience, or or blogging, or or any sort of. Um, way people could express themselves online so so that's we're believers in that we came from that that culture of sort of hacking through systems and and we believe that you can take that into this next phase of your life too you can hack your way which is finding workarounds for what is traditionally accepted that kind of thing and and find a new life and and a new way to thrive in the world Carol, you mentioned that it's never too late to start saving for retirement. I happen to think that one of the challenges with that statement, because you're right, you're 100% right. The problem is that someone 23 thinks of retirement as something that's esoteric, 
Like that's mm-hmm. why would I be thinking about retirement? I just got my first job. I'm thinking about my weekend plans and my apartment. Um, mm-hmm. I think we have to redefine retirement. And it's one of the things we're trying to do on the show is to redefine it, not as a disappearing act and not as a retreat or a surrender, but as a graduation. So you talk about not being too old to save for retirement. You're also never too young to save for retirement, but no one wants to think about retirement in their twenties or even thirties. Why don't we start talking about saving for freedom or saving for independence or saving for uh, saving for the, I mean, even if it's something as opaque as saving for your future, retirement sounds like you're saving for something you can't even begin to wrestle with. You have no way to, you know, none of the 20 year olds right now have any idea what retirement in 2060 might look like. Think about that. Right. Yeah. So how do we do that? How do we reframe it? Yeah, so I have a 19-year-old daughter, and I've been having these conversations with her, absolutely, you know, and I gave her a book on um, getting getting your brain wrapped around your finances, and she's going through that very diligently, but it's absolutely a conversation that I've been having with her. Um, as a woman, I think it's really important to be financially independent throughout your life. Um, those are the kinds of lessons that I'm teaching her, absolutely. Um There is one thing about saving for retirement, you know, if you have an IRA, there are tax benefits to that. So um, I absolutely agree with you that, you know, you should be thinking about saving for freedom, saving for the future in a general way. Um, But at the same time, there's that whole concept of, you know, we've set up these 401ks and these IRAs and things like that, specifically with tax benefits. So that's something that I will be talking with my daughter about about what the difference between these types of savings are and why it's important and things like that. And I think that it's just something that we as Americans kind of need to get over. We need to get over ourselves. We need to be um, more transparent when we're talking about things like money. Well, money is taboo. Is a cohort, it's one of the things uh, families don't talk about together. You know, that, I, I totally agree with you. That's taboo. So I hope you're talking to your daughter about the Roth IRA and the Roth 401k. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually um, meeting with my advisors uh, in the next coming weeks um, to to talk through getting some of that stuff set up for her. So that's fantastic. My daughter's ten, and so she's not quite ready for the Roth IRA conversation. But we we do have a we we do have some exercises that we do with her allowance that involves setting some aside for long term, some for charity, and some for fun. And so she's already learned a basic concept and created a bank account and um, and made charitable gifts to causes that are important to her, which was which right. was a children's hospital. I mean, I, I think these these lessons aren't learned in school, and you can't be financially independent without a you know a, a stroke of either inheritance or some kind of public IPO event. You're not going to become hmm. suddenly uh, financially independent without at least basic financial literacy first. I mean, don't don't you think some of this is education and schools are failing and parents can't do it? So mm-hmm. where are those resources? What do we do? Yeah, they don't teach compound interest in school. <laughs> That's right. one of the most no, foundational can, things to learn about. You know, and, and people, uh, you know, in the generation before me, you did not talk about money, and. And, you know, Susie Orman kind of blew that all open and said, you know, you got to have these conversations or it's just you can't bury this under the rug. 
And there, there is a cohort of millennials and younger who are really into savings. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's blogs, The Penny Hoarder, Daily oh, Newsletter, yeah. goes into all of this. I love her. And, you know, and you see these kids who are like, living frugally they're not buying a house they're living in a van <laughs> saving money <laughs> and, and and they're free you know and and i think that's tremendous and that's 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 a good trend that i, I see coming along the way but well the fire said, movement is definitely powerful yeah you know at the end of the day though uh they're going to have to keep going in some way and whether that's you know y- you might not want to live in a van in in 20 years and <laughs> and so do you have that mindset and the skill set to say i can try something new i can learn it i can i can be open to trying new things and that's what we're about what is what's next for me and I, you know always always be playful with it but take it seriously because it will serve you throughout your life. If you have this foundation about knowing who you are, what your principles are, and you have a mind that's open enough to try new things and see where the pockets of opportunities are, or, you know, seeing things in a a way you might not have otherwise. And then finally, how do you stay standing? How do you make it through this venture or this change in your life that you want to make and give your, buy yourself enough time to be able to get through that beta period and succeed at it. And so, Jeff so, and Carol, where's the best place for folks to, to pick up a copy of your book or read your blog or listen to your podcast? Next, nextforme.com is our yep. website. Um, and there you can sign up for our newsletter. It goes out regularly. We're talking about things about like finance but also career transitions. We're talking to thought leaders in the space as well to really hopefully give you some inspiration for what your next thing is going to be. Well, and we're of course the, the book is available where... on Amazon, oh, I'm but sorry. we have links to that throughout our website as well. So both books are available on Amazon or on nextforme.com? Wonderful. Well, I hope our I hope our listeners will check that out. Um, we're at the point in our show where we need to do an extra credit assignment, and 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 I think based on our conversation, I'd I'd like to challenge each of you to have a separate assignment for our listeners. Um, and specifically, what is that one piece of advice, or one action, or one thing that that folks who spent half an hour listening to this with us today, what it, how do they determine what's next for them? What is the what is the one piece of advice. And, and Jeff, why don't we start with you on this one? What is the one thing that people should take away from the show to figure out what's next for them? I'll use a quote. Making the most of a long and multi-stage life means taking transitions in your stride. Being flexible, acquiring new knowledge, exploring new ways of thinking, seeing the world from a different perspective, coming to terms with changes in power, letting go of old associates and building new networks. That's what it's all about. Are you open enough for that? And, and that comes from a wonderful book called The Hundred Year Life by Linda Gretton and Andrew Scott. I love that. Carol, uh, pressure's on because Jeff's was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be a little self-serving here and pull an exercise from our book. Um, yeah. It. It's called Who is Your Community? And we challenge you to take a look, uh, 
make a list of people who are strategic to your your goals, whether that's your career goals, your financial goals, anything to sort of better yourself in that way. Um, take a look maybe, again, on LinkedIn, who they're associated with, what they're up to, what they're doing, um, and then try to figure out how to connect with them. Do you, can you connect with them online? You know, in, in this time, it's difficult to connect with people in person. So how can you authentically connect with them and really learn from them, you know, without taking too much with, you know, a lot of give and take and really using that opportunity to define your community and figure out who your people are and how that can help you take your next step uh, to what's next for you. Sage advice. Jeff Tidwell, Carol McManus, thank you for joining us on Don't Retire, Graduate. I enjoyed our conversation today, and I hope folks will go to nextforme.com, check out your blog, sign up for your newsletters, and, uh, and check out a copy of one or both of your books. Thank you so much you for so having much. us. What fun. Absolutely. And for our audience out there, please subscribe to our podcast, post comments and reviews. Consider sending us a question, which we might answer in a future episode of Office Hours. For more, go to DontRetireGraduate.com. To learn more about BFG Financial Advisors, visit us on social media. We're at BFGFA.com. We'll be back next week with another installment of Office Hours and in two weeks with another engaging guest or two. For now, this is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate. From this day forward, let us begin visualizing our dreams and building our futures. Today, I implore you, don't retire, graduate. Visit our website at don'tretiregraduate.com to subscribe. And please like us and post comments on social media. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.